0: Thanks for joining the Heights Church podcast today. We hope that you enjoy the message. If you're in the Sydney area, be sure to join us at the Heights Church at Golston Road, Wandsby Heights, Sydney, Australia. I wonder this morning whether you have ever played a crazy good game of hide and seek. Now, I'm looking around this morning, and I'm getting uh, first uh, Sunday after Christmas vibes this morning, uh, where the faithful remnant uh, remembers that church actually is still on, Uh, and so perhaps some of you are thinking, I have not played hide-and-seek or a variant of hide-and-seek in a little while, Uh, but I wonder if you can remember the last time that you did, or the last time you played a game of hide-and-seek or a variant of hide-and-seek, that was uh, a lot of fun. I can think of a few times uh, playing games like sardines uh, in, in a church like uh, at 1am in the morning uh, or playing spotlight in the long grass uh, at, at youth camp. Uh, as a parent, I've come to realise uh, that it is a parenting hack when you have a four-year-old uh, to play hide and seek when you need a rest. There is a uh, Nothing like lying under a bed for 10 minutes, mindlessly scrolling on your phone while your four year old is frantically uh, looking for you all over the house. Uh, I enjoy a good game of hide and seek. This morning I want to uh, encourage us to explore our relationship with God uh, through the lens of the game of hide and seek. Uh, Now, the Bible tells us, the psalmist uh, tells us that uh, God is everywhere. We can go to the highest mountain, God's there. We go to the deepest valley, God is there. So, in some ways, playing hide and seek with God is sort of a very boring game because we can't really go anywhere without Him being able to find us. Uh, but through the lens of this game, uh, relationally, in terms of how we feel connected to God, uh, this morning I really want to encourage us, I want to challenge us about how we're doing. Uh, in terms of the ways that we are playing some sort of version of hide-and-seek with our Creator. And I wonder for you this morning, as we explore and assess that, I wonder this morning, what are some of the ways that you are winning uh, in that game? What are some of the ways that you are losing in that game? And what are some of the ways uh, that you and I and all of us could be doing um, better at that game of hide-and-seek with our Creator. Uh, I'm just going to pray very quickly again. Uh, Lord, we do thank you uh, that you are everywhere. Uh, But this morning, for those of us uh, who sometimes feel disconnected from you uh, and sometimes have to navigate that, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us uh, about the ways that you are seeking us always. Not just physically, but relationally. And I pray, Lord, this morning even might be an opportunity for us uh, to not only find you again, but to have that experience of being found by you again. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, as we know, uh, doing church during the lockdowns of a few years ago uh, came with its challenges. It was a challenging time to try and do uh, regular church or some sort of version of it. Uh, It was also a challenging time during the lockdowns to run a Friday night uh, youth ministry to young people. And I had two goes of doing it. I had one go in Brisbane in 2020 uh, when none of us knew what on earth we were doing. And I thought, and I came out the end of that, and we finally got to meet in person again. I thought, the good news is I'll never, ever have to do that again, thankfully. Well, I moved to Sydney, I come to Ice Church, and then 2021 happened, and I got, I, I got a second go of it. And I learned some lessons, thankfully, and, and, and I think we did our absolute best, and, and we had fun with, with the medium that we had there, um, And one of the things I was thinking about this week as I thought about my favourite ever game of hide-and-seek. It actually came during this period uh, because coming up with games for 20-odd youth uh, over Zoom, very difficult, very challenging. It's hard enough to try and come up with games in the hall or outside in real life, let alone how can I engage youth over Zoom of all things uh, with some youth group games? And one night... Just As a a youth minister, you have those nights where you you run a game or an activity and it just clicks. It just works. And you might not have even expected to. Because uh, one of my favorite games was we played uh, Zoom, Hide and Seek. And so what I did uh, was I created uh, 100 breakout rooms. And I renamed uh, all 20 or 25 or so people in the Zoom call. I renamed everybody uh, Alicia Berry. Every single person was named Alicia Berry. And the way that you would win this game was uh, you had to search through all of the breakout rooms and you had to take a photo uh, with your phone of the real Alicia. And if you got a photo of your, fo- of your phone, of the real Alicia, uh, who was uh, herself moving around into different rooms, uh, if you got that and you came back to me in the main room with that photo, you won, and we played it, and it was pure chaos because everybody's name is Alicia. Everybody's moving around these hundred rooms all the times, and and people were just desperately trying to get that picture. And when they finally did, I think Jordan Harrington might have been the one. Uh, when finally did uh, they were they, they played that they said those words that uh, tells you okay, this game somehow really worked. Can we please play that again? And we did. And it was a lot of fun and it was pure chaos and everyone had a lot of fun uh, being Alicia for uh, 20 minutes or 30 minutes or so. And Alicia did a great job as well. Well, that was my favourite ever game of hide and seek. And my takeaway from that this morning, and I'm going to encourage us around this idea, is the desperation and the urgency that I saw in that game to find what they were looking for. Because when we play hide and seek with God, there are a few obstacles uh, that get in our way when we try and play this game successfully. There are some obstacles that get in the way of us being found by God and there are some obstacles to us also finding God. There are many obstacles unique to our own journeys and situations. I'm going to speak this morning briefly about three of those obstacles. The first obstacle to us being found by God, and it speaks uh, from our Genesis chapter 3 reading, is the obstacle, uh, and I think it will come up on the screen behind me, of shame and guilt. And there's a picture coming up this morning, uh, I think, of Adam and Eve when they uh, were aware of the fact that they were now sinful, their first instinct in that was to do two things, cover and hide. And they are two instincts that today we still have. We've inherited those instincts In verse 7 of chapter 3 of Genesis, it says after they realized that they were sinful and and that they were naked, which speaks physically, but also emotionally, spiritually, laid bare, totally vulnerable, it says they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. And then when the Lord God was walking the garden looking for them, it says in verse 8, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. One of our obstacles to being found by God is our shame and our guilt. And the instinct that comes from that that is to cover and to hide. And, of course, we can talk about the literal nakedness that is in this story. But the other part of that, as I said, is the vulnerability. It's the being laid bare. It has been a while since I have sat in a barber's chair as you could possibly imagine, but I know that you know that feeling when you're looking in that mirror and you're thinking this isn't this isn't my best look right now. the lights aren't good I'm, I'm totally laid bare. Everything about my face is just laid bare. perhaps you've been in a doctor's appointment or a physio appointment and and you're just like, this is not like a photography session right now version of myself it's vulnerable and and We all know that feeling as well, emotionally, when we've stuffed up, we've made a mistake, somebody has seen us in a weak moment, somebody has seen us do the wrong thing, and it's a vulnerable moment. We are laid bare. And when we sin, that vulnerability enters into our relationship with God, And we read this story in Genesis Genesis 3 and we think, oh, that's strange. Like, why would they do that? But if we were to think about our own lives, we do the same thing as well. We hide behind trees in our relationship with God. When God's looking for us, we retreat and we hide. And often it's because we're in a season where we think to ourselves, I'm not really doing very well in my relationship with God at the moment, as I said, I just came back from state youth camp, and one of the things uh, that happens on these sort of things, mountaintop experience, is, is uh, you come away feeling super pumped up to be the best follower of Jesus that has ever lived. And one of the things that you try and manage with your young people is okay, yes, go and read your Bible every day if you can. Sure, go and pray to God all the time. Okay, yes, great. I'm not going to discourage you from attempting to do any of these good practices. Uh, but what happens What happens when all of these good intentions uh, meets the reality of our weakness? What happens then? Because what happens for our young people, and if we're honest, what happens for all of us, is we too often allow... The way that we are performing before God to dictate how often we are then coming to Him in things like prayer and Bible reading, in terms of feeling connected to Him. Uh, how often have we sort of thought to ourselves, Yes, I know I want to pray to God, I just want to like sort myself out a little bit first? Even though we know that God says, No, just come. Now, just come as you are, that instinct still exists behind us, that we come to God only when we're covered, only when we're good enough, only when we've got some fig trees around us and we're, we're feeling like, okay, now I can come to God. Well, I want to encourage you this morning that shame and guilt often are inevitable consequences of being sinful people in a broken world. And so we've just gone through Romans. This isn't an opportunity to say, just sin whenever you want and come back before God. We know what Paul says about that, by no means. But when we perhaps inevitably fall short, my encouragement to you this morning is to step out from behind the tree. Step out from behind the tree and say, God, here I am again. And even in an ideal world, this is something that we would also do together, Uh, I'm going to read very quickly, and this is a little different this morning, so work with me here. I'm going to read a little excerpt from my favourite book, my favourite fictional book, uh, which is The Silver Chair in the *Narnia* series by C.S. Lewis. Uh, I was going to show a clip on the screen from the BBC TV series uh, that they made in the 1990s, but it is genuinely so bad that I couldn't uh, do that to you this morning. So I'm going to read just a little excerpt if you just work with me here. Uh, And this, just to give you some context, it's two kids, uh, Jill and Eustace. They've come to Narnia. This is after like the main four um, pensive children have come. This is like the next generation. And this is Jill's first time in Narnia. She's heard a little bit about it. uh, And her partner, her friend uh, Eustace is not with her. And she's in a strange land. She's in Narnia. And all of a sudden she's very uh, scared wondering what's going on, but she's also very thirsty. She's been there for a while. And it says uh, here, it says uh, about Jill, but her thirst was very bad now. And she plucked up her courage to go and look for that running water. She went on tiptoes, stealing cautiously from tree to tree and stopping to peer around her at every step. And I'll skip ahead here. Eventually, she stood as still as if she had been turned into stone with her mouth wide open, and she had a very good reason. Just on this side of the stream lay the lion. It lay with its head raised and its two forepaws out in front of it like the lions in Trafalgar Square. She knew at once that it had seen her, for its eyes looked straight into hers for a moment. And then turned away. I'll skip ahead a bit. It says, The thirst became so bad that she almost felt she would not mind being eaten by the lion if only she could be sure of getting a mouthful of water first. And the lion said, If you're thirsty, you may drink. I'm going to skip ahead again one last time. Are you not thirsty? said the lion. I'm dying of thirst said jill then drink said the lion may i uh, could i would you mind going away while i do said jill will you promise not to do anything to me if i do come said jill i make no promise said the lion Jill was so thirsty now that without noticing, she had come a step nearer. Do you eat girls? She said. I have swallowed up girls and boys, women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. I dare not come and drink, said Jill. Then you will die of thirst. Love this little excerpt. And I've thought about this little Part of this story, so many times when it comes to my relationship with God, of how often I want to come to the stream of a good relationship with God and feeling like that feeling of God, you know the Spirit is working in me and through me. I, I'm no God, but I want to do so uh, with with Him, just looking uh, away from who I truly am. I wanna I want to quench my thirst, but I want to do so with the assurance uh, that. That the lion is safe. And it's a big moral of the story of Nani that uh, Aslan is a lot of things but he's not necessarily safe. I wonder in terms of your relationship with God if you sometimes do the same thing. Well perhaps you do, the other thing that we do that hinders us from being found by God and it relates very much to those fig leaves that uh, Adam and Eve put around them uh, to cover themselves up, and that is the obstacle of religion and reputation. Uh, In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus talks about, in the the chapter, he talks about woes uh, to the scribes and Pharisees, woes to the religious people. And one of the woes that he talks about Uh, is those that hide behind their religiosity. And he describes them and he he compares them uh, to a cup that is clean on the outside, but dirty on the inside. And there'll be a picture on the screen uh, behind me of, of perhaps a different type of cup. This obstacle is the obstacle that comes when we think, I should be better by now. I don't want to keep having to admit that I fall short. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lean into religion or I'm just going to lean into reputation or perhaps sometimes it's I'm just going to lean into perfectionism in order to not have to deal with what's going on on the inside. And sometimes we don't want to deal with what's going on on the inside, uh, purely because we feel like this should be sorted by now. And this is something I see with our young people a lot. They think, okay, if I just go on enough camps, finally I will be one of those like perfect Christians. And I can see as their mind talks about being a Christian that they envision some sort of hierarchy uh, with perhaps many of you being much more higher up in terms of being like perfect Christians all the time. And if they can just go to enough camps, come to church enough times, uh, you know, make uh, enough promises to God, that they'll start to be as good as us real Christians. And, And how much do we know there's no hierarchy? We know that, but because we think to ourselves, I just, it's so tiring to constantly have to be in relationship with God, but also relationship with my church, having to admit that I'm still not perfect, that I still fall short, that this cup that was behind me, this is what we do to God, but it's also what we do to each other. How much more authentic would our relationship with God uh, would be, is if we would be more, we'd be brave enough to, to allow each other to see inside the cup from time to time. And when we don't, it is a major obstacle to being found by God. And finally this morning, a major obstacle to us finding God is the obstacle of indifference uh, and apathy and distraction. There'll be a picture behind me now of a... That's, uh, that's Jill and the lion. And then the next picture uh, that will come up behind me here, which is, uh, this is us. This is us, uh, followers of Jesus. If we imagine the, the throne and the crown to be everything that, that, that God has placed upon us as a gift, the, 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 the high throne in heaven that we have access to, the major obstacle to us being found by God is our indifference and our apathy and our distraction. And so, I wonder this morning, if we were to ask ourselves the question, what is it that I actually really want? When it comes to my relationship with God especially, what is it that I really want? Because what we really want often shapes us much more than what we know. And we can focus so much on making sure that we know enough But if that doesn't seep into what we want, it often will make no difference to our day-to-day relationship with God. Uh, In Jeremiah, and sadly not about my son, about the prophet Jeremiah, uh, there is a scripture in uh, chapter 29, and there's a few scriptures there that are quoted uh, a lot and and for whatever reason applied directly to us, which in some ways can be, uh, but the context here for Jeremiah was that uh, his people, God's people, were living under oppression. Uh, First by the Egyptians, uh, by the Babylonians, and a false prophet came along and said, you know, if you just believe, God is going to deliver you shortly. It's going to happen for you in a matter of months. And Jeremiah, who was a true prophet of God, knew that this wasn't God's timeline. Quick solution wasn't coming that God's people were going to have to live in some difficulty for a a little bit longer than what the false prophets were promising. But the fact that they had to live in a little bit of difficulty, it says when 70 years are completed for Babylon, that wasn't the end of what God had to say. He says, I will come to you and fulfill my promise to bring you back to this place. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And so he says, your life is going to be challenging for a little bit. 70 years is a a fair bit, but it's not over for you. I have plans for you still. Because when that happens, it says in verse 12 of Jeremiah 29, then you will call on me and you will come and pray to me and I will listen to you. This is the key verse here. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart in the sermon of the mount jesus says blessed are the pure in spirit for they will see god impurity there is to be without mixture or contamination that our heart the very seat of our affection the very seat of what we want Those whose affections and wants are unmixed in terms of their passion for God, they are the ones that get to see God. To put it another way, blessed are those who want God because they will get God. What we want and how badly we want it matters. And it's a challenging question. It's a challenging question for myself that lives in the same world that you do, the world of how has another week gone by, the world of I have no time, the world of uh, how is this day already over, I haven't had time to connect with God. It's a challenging question because we also have those good intentions, but we also know what it's like to go days, weeks, months, longer sometimes without feeling connected To God. And so to ask questions like, well, is God the total focus of our life? Is God just a part of our life? Do we actually want God or do we want God with a whole bunch of stuff at equal level? That's a challenging question. I admit to you that's a challenging question for me this morning. It's also challenging for me when my iPhone sends me my screen report every week and I think I had no time to pray to God. I don't want to see that screen report and I wonder what your screen report says, whether it's the literal one or the other one of just life, of where we use those minutes. And wonder what we're waiting for to use just some of those minutes just to connect with God. Long, deep prayer time, great, awesome. Do that if you can do that. But I wonder if even a challenge this morning is just inviting God into those minutes and saying, God, you know what? Amongst all of this stress, anxiety, worry, I've got a minute here and I want it to be your minute. Jeremiah, God says to his people, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Uncontaminated by desires pulling in other directions. And sometimes we wonder where God is when we really should be evaluating the mixtures and desires in our hearts. Those who want God will see God. In the game of hide and seek with God, there are obstacles. And the awesome thing is, is that as we seek after God, and perhaps this morning, today, this coming week, is a chance for us to go again with that, because that's what it's about, going again and again to God with open hands saying, God, I'm here again with nothing, again and again and again and again and again. I wonder if we could also be encouraged by the story of the prodigal son. And that son, it says in Luke chapter 15, he decided that he wanted to go find his father. And it says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. There's a picture going to come up behind me. It's my, it's my favorite artwork, uh, and it's about the prodigal son. And it says about the prodigal son in verse 20 of Luke chapter 15, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Ultimately, the biggest lesson of thinking about our relationship with God in terms of a game of hide and seek is that God calls upon us to be desperate for Him. But as soon as we turn to come home to God, whether it's a minute, whether it has been a while or whether we do it every day, when we turn and come home to our Father in heaven, our Father sees us and he runs to us every single time. He ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Let's win that game, I think, together. Let's pray. Well, this morning uh, we would want to be brave enough to step out from behind that tree. We want to again admit to you, Lord, that we fall short, that we are a sinful people. But God, we are sorry for that and we do pray that you help us to stop falling short. But I also ask that you help us with our rebound, that we wouldn't get lost behind that tree but you would help us to be brave. Help us, God, to return home to you and to be found by you. Help us, Lord, with the obstacles I've spoken about this morning and all the other ones that are in our lives, uh, the obstacles that come up in terms of us being connected to you. I pray that we would be a people here that feel uh, connected to you, that uh, the promises that Jesus on the cross has won for us would be promises that we experience more often than not. And so, Lord, may we know you, but may we also be known and found by you today. In Jesus' name, amen.